Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Effective Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and today I'm talking with Catherine from Primary Learning, who is a very experienced and very young maths teacher. Thank you so much for joining me, Catherine. Thanks for having me, Dan. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and what your role is and who Primary Learning are? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a primary teacher that I'm trained in New South Wales and I worked for the department for about 20 years as both a teacher and I worked at state office as a consultant, as an advisor for mathematics. Um, yeah, I got a love of mathematics during my career. It wasn't something I came with. Um, but recently when I left the department, I started my own company with a friend of mine, Annette Gray, who does the literacy side of things and I write the maths blogs and we just sort of work together and I also um, work casually at Sydney Uni training pre-service teachers in mathematics. Awesome. Well, I'll have to get Annette on next then maybe. And we can do a literary <laughs> thing in addition to the maths. That'd be great. Yeah. So can you tell me then, you know, maths is your specialty. What teaching strategies do you see helping our students to become, well, just learning better maths really? Let's, let's start with that. <laughs> yeah. I, and look, it's a great question and it's one I answer a lot of the time when I go out and support schools as well. I think... Um, we're very lucky in New South Wales and Australia in general, we have a real focus on the proficiencies from the Australian curriculum and in New South Wales that's sort of worked out as working mathematically and that's communicating, problem solving and reasoning. And that really should be at the heart of the types of strategies we then implement as teachers to help students become better mathematical thinkers. Uh, we want them to be thinking and sharing what they're thinking and so to be able to do that we need to allow them to talk. So student talk and student voice in the classroom is a really important part of one of the strategies that I would um, be encouraging teachers to use in their classroom. Uh, we also want to help them make connections between different parts of mathematics so they don't think it's all really separate. Um, and so my job is to make those connections for them. So if I'm teaching multiplication, the next topic or within that topic, I should teach maybe area because I use multiplication to work out area or volume or something like that. So we need strategies where we're making the connections. Um, and that also means that students need experience with representation. So as a teacher, I need to use visuals and hands-on materials to show students how the maths works. Um, and then there's another aspect where we want students to all feel um, comfortable starting a task, but also being challenged. And so that's part of differentiation. And we talk in primary in particular at the moment about tasks that have a low floor and a high ceiling. So the idea is instead of having, you know, seven different tasks in my classroom, which I don't have time to prepare, I can try and choose one task that is low enough or um, easy enough for all of my students to start, but is open enough and high enough challenge for my students who are really capable to have a real go out and dig their teeth into. Okay. Now, within that, you actually talked a bit about, you know, making sure we don't see maths as separate topics within maths. What do you think of the idea of maths not being separate on its own too? Like, uh, I think there's a big push in, you know, secondary schools for STEM or STEAM or whatever you want to call it these days. It gets changed all the time. Uh, and often in primary school, project-based learning is getting used and maths is very much incorporated into those kinds of things. Do you think that is good or do you do you think there needs to be a balance between both? Like, what, what are your, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I, I think the points you've brought up are really important that um, we don't want to negate maths as a discipline on its own. 
um, there's value in understanding basic or fundamental mathematics, but absolutely as much as possible, you want to have connections across subject areas as well. And STEM is something I'm really passionate about. And I've done a number of projects with schools, both when I was at the department and through Sydney Uni using STEM, because if you look for a primary person in the science and technology syllabus, anytime it mentions data or measuring data, that's mathematics. So why teach it twice in two separate occasions? teach it all together. So if they're growing plants and measuring how tall they are over a number of weeks, I have to collect the data, I have to graph the data, I have to write up, you know, information about the variables I use. That's all mathematics. So I would totally agree that that needs to be part of how we plan. And in primary, we actually have a, we have it easier than secondary (laughs) because generally we teach the kids ourselves most of the day. So I can draw those things in And I know where my students are at mathematically when I do it in a science and technology or STEM, you know, project-based, problem-based, whatever kind of inquiry you want to use. And if, if they need that skill and they don't have it, I can just drop everything and do a maths lesson right there and then. So I would totally agree with that integration, but there's definitely times where I'd want to do some straight maths lessons too. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to say I teach at a very unique secondary school and we very much, it's a core teacher model and that ability to just bring related content together and to plan that really well has such a better impact on students' learning and even on just saving time. (laughs) If you're not addressing things twice, it means you can go in more depth, you can have more fun and yet still have more time at the end to do other things with your students as well. So let's have a look then in maths specifically, and we're not talking about trying to develop students' skills in learning overall uh, yep. with this, can you give some specific examples where, or that you've done or that you've encouraged and seen other teachers use that you think in maths is really helping students to develop those lifelong learning and aspects, those skills that they're needed for that? Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's hard to pick two, but I did try and do that. <laughs> Um, So I think one that we've sort of started to take on and some of these come from um, um, different parts of America, which is, which is good. Like we're trying to draw on other countries that are having successful strategies. And one of those is number talks um, and using things like talk moves. So um, there's Sherry Parrish who writes a book about number talks and a lot of primary teachers now know a little bit about that. But the essence of any of those is that at the beginning of the lesson, I want to have a real focus on mental mathematics and actually the students talking about strategies Um, and I can use talk moves to facilitate the discussion so things like um, you know and Dylan William talks about it I think I can see you've got embedding formative assessment in the background in your picture maybe I do I Um, certainly do and he talks about that idea of wait time and having teachers just give the kids a few extra seconds before they blurt out answers. And that's one of the talk moves that we use Um, or things like, you know, you turn and talk to someone next to you. And so that when I then ask for feedback from the students about their strategies, if they're not comfortable sharing their own, they can share their partners. So it's trying to take some of that anxiety away from mathematics or, you know, another talk move is that you ask students to repeat something. So it actually means they have to be switched on (laughs) to what everyone else is saying because, you know, Dan, you might have given a great suggestion of a strategy and I ask, you know, Melanie next to you, what what did Dan say? Can you, can you repeat what Dan said? And Melanie's like, I wasn't listening. So <laughs> it starts to sort of be almost a behaviour modification as well, but it, it's a culture that you build in your classroom. So I think things like talk moves and number talks that are about mental 
um, strategies is good. I'll, that's the first one. Yeah. Um, Actually, the, Dylan talked about, about it, it. Uh, as like a, a pause, pounce, bounce type thing. Um, oh, I like yeah. that. <laughs> I think so you, you pause, let the students think, often. and then you, you pounce on them because you don't let them raise their hand is the pounce. No, so it's right, the idea yeah. of calling the student out by name. Hands up, yeah. And it's really good. And like in, I don't know if you can see my shirt, but in, in younger grades we use like a, a thumb on the chest. Yeah. So yeah. they're not waiting with their hand up. But I know you've got an answer and I can acknowledge that without you yelling out. So there's little things that are helpful. Um, yeah. Your second example, let's, let's dive into yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> my, my second one is about using, it's the types of tasks that I'm, I'm choosing as a teacher. So um, almost that inquiry sort of idea to get students reasoning about a topic, the task needs to be challenging. So I mentioned that low floor, high ceiling, um, and part of that is using challenging tasks. Now, Peter Sullivan and a range of other researchers that I won't rattle off every name, but, um, you know, James Russo and Jeanette Bobbis, who I work with at Sydney Uni, to name a few, um, they're doing a lot of research into challenging tasks and they're often open-ended where there's either multiple strategies or multiple solutions so that the students can spend longer on the task. And the idea is, is that they're having struggle. It's called productive struggle. It's not drowning, but it's letting them have a bit of time to wrestle with the mathematics and letting them know that that's okay. Um, and there, there's some really great resources to help with that. And, I, you know, I, I use a lot of enriched tasks. It's from, it's from the um, Cambridge University in the UK. Um, it's just n and then rich.maths.org. Um, and they're all free and they're fantastic ways to start that in the classroom. Um, and it gives me, as the teacher, time to monitor and ask questions and probe because my job is questioner. Um, it's not always explainer. Um, teachers like to talk. <laughs> yeah, but you need too much, to, way too much. <laughs> you need to let the kids do it. And it's actually, I know I haven't got a lot of time, but um, James Russo from uh, Victoria at Monash University, he did a bit of a study where he, he, he's got his own class as well, and he did this study where he gave the kids the hard task first and then did the teaching. And then at other times he did the teaching first, like front-loading the kids, and then did the task because he wanted to know what kids liked. Did they like the teaching first then to do a task or did they like the challenge fit first and then the teaching? And he found out it was almost 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> so no matter which way you go, you need to be flexible. And so he found that the kids who were more capable liked the challenge first where, because they thought hard was good, whereas the kids who maybe, maybe struggled with a certain concept liked the teaching first because they thought the help was good. So it just showed that, yes, using the challenging task is good and I can use them at different times in my lessons because they have different um, meanings for kids. Okay, so then how, how does that actually help to create the skills that they need for learning? That's, that's the next thing. So yeah. you, these are ones you think are doing that, but then how, how does it do that? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and I love the fact that you have that focus on lifelong learning because that's my role. Like I might only have my students for a year, but that's only one year out of their maybe 13 or more year journey as a, a learner at school. And so I want to make, the, I want to build them up to be thinkers not calculators. I, I used that phrase recently because it's not just about regurgitating facts. I'm not going to walk down the street and someone's going to go six sevens, you know. It's going to be in a different context. So um, the idea of doing this is to help them see that they can come to the understanding themselves, that they might need to ask for assistance. So maybe collaboration is important, working with someone else 
That's a lifelong learning skill um, that I need to be a problem solver, that if something doesn't work the first time, I should try a different strategy um, and that that's a great idea. I don't just have to go, I don't know, and give up. So it's trying to make them persevere on tasks. It's trying to help them see um, that I need to work with other people and problem solve because that's generally what they need to do in the workforce. Um, so any of these times where you're, I guess, taking the training wheels off a bit and not just spoon feeding them content. Um, content's important, but that's the vehicle. Um, the what, that's the content, but the why and the how is the reasoning. And it actually leads them to make generalizations that they can use again later. Yeah. Actually, if you've read Understanding by Design by any chance, he's yes. all about that <laughs> process of making sure you're actually transferring the understanding. So they're getting that essence and then they want to apply it in multiple contexts in order to really understand it rather than just having that knowledge, that regurgitation aspect to it. And that's right. And if you do start with the end in mind, you know where you're going to. So my assessments are planned at the beginning because then I can map out the steps that's going to help the student get there. And, you know, it's not about them just knowing what they need for the assessment. I do want them to transfer. And that's the hardest bit is getting kids to use something they already know. So it's getting them to stop trying to just answer the question and go, what do I already know? Oh, do I know something that's going to help me here to answer this question? Um, and I think that's the beauty of when you're talking about STEM or making connections outside of maths is you're bringing in a context and you're showing a purpose for maths. Now, there's plenty of maths in secondary school that might not have a lot of purpose for every single child or every single student when they leave school. And that's okay. But the idea that maths is supposed to be the pain relief. So Dan Meyer from um, America talks about that showing kids that it doesn't always have to have a real world context, but that it's supposed to make life easier. You know, if something's going to take forever to add all these numbers together, if I use a formula, it's much simpler and more elegant and it won't take me as long. So I like that he calls maths the pain relief. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. I'm yeah. talking about pain relief maths now at my school. <laughs> we had this maths. That means we're doing some pain relief. <laughs> yeah. We'll use it we'll use, for your students. <laughs> we'll use it in recovery methods for PDH. <laughs> So can you tell me then, so for our listeners today, you know, they've got you know, probably one week left of school, most of them at this point, but they'll listen to it possibly at other times as well. So can you give us just one thing that they should do this week that can really impact their lessons uh, for their students with maths? Yeah, I, I guess the first thing I would say is stop talking. Uh, you know, as the teacher, just listen to the students, give them the opportunity Um and stop telling them. We're, we love helping kids. That's, that's, I guess, why a lot of people go into teaching and particularly primary is to help students, but you can overhelp them. So it's really hard, but sometimes just leave them with the problem, let them go and have a go. And then when someone has a problem, I go to them. Because if you spend the first 20 minutes answering all the questions, some kids are already bored because they knew how to solve it. The other kids haven't really got it because you didn't actually talk to them directly. And it's, it just ruins the, the aha moments the kids get to have. But apart from telling teachers to stop talking, um, I think one of the things they could try if they do listen to it this week before school ends is that that enriched site that I've recommended, they have an advent calendar at the moment for primary and for secondary of 24 of their favourite problems. So you could just choose one a day and have a go um, and let the kids just explore the excitement that is mathematics when you start to look at the patterns and the fun things about it that aren't just, you know, memorising formulas or, 
you know, trying to, to remember things that I needed to know. So um, it's a really nice way to, to start to dip their toe in the water. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me today, Catherine. And I'll make sure that the links that you've mentioned there will actually be up on my show notes page. So if you want to go and have a look at that, uh, that's at teacherspd.net slash 67, because this is episode 67, pretty sure. <laughs> if not, it's episode 68. No, it's six, episode 67. Uh, and, I should have yeah, so no- some interesting facts about number 67 for you, but... I just- <laughs> That would be great. It's been great. Look, I think it's fantastic to, to have you come on and chat about maths because so often maths gets pegged as the one, particularly that's, you know, it's all about the exam. What's in the exam? Uh, learn the formulas, plug it in, do well in the exam. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that there are teachers like you out there who are going and helping other teachers to, to see how maths really relates better to life, uh, how it really helps them to prepare for, prepare for life too because it's not just about maths that is used in life. It's also maths gives you so many quality skills for learning, I think, uh, that you can then use uh, as you go on to your life. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining me and I will chat to everyone else next week.